That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? Babe, it's that time again for us to do that thing we love, which is talk about one of our favorite shows, uh, about the things we love about that show, and also with the people that we love, because we have a special guest today. Oh my god, yeah, Christina's coming to, for, to talk to us about Star Trek. We're going to talk about <laughs> Star Trek all day, it's going to be great. I, I didn't know we were doing this, but you just said one of our favorite shows, so, I, you know, that's exciting. No, it's an Avatar podcast. Naturally. Yeah, the keyword in that sentence is our favorite yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be mutual. Yeah. yeah, don't get me wrong, love me some Star Trek, our first date, quote-unquote, our official date as a couple, was to a live recording of The Greatest Generation. Shout out to Ben and Adam. So we, you can say, I guess, like, podcasting is just, like, brought us together as a couple, keeping us together, and hopefully it's not a wedge that drives us apart. (laughs) I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you could say that uh, Ben and Adam uh, got me laid that night, so... uh... (laughs) mom dad that's gross <laughs> ew no one cares about how you met stop it <laughs> ben and ben and adam thanks for being like the best unknowing wingmen <laughs> that you could have been but uh with that i'm zach no i'm not zach <laughs> <laughs> and i'm <Wow>. alex <laughs> and this is my coverages a gender bending podcast So far, so good on this. We're really crushing it. (laughs) Y'all, it's a day. This is what happens when we record on Sundays. Um, Yeah, so Christina, welcome to the podcast, Pod Daddy. We're so happy to have you. I'm literally so excited to be here. You guys are two of my favorite people in the whole world. What a coincidence. You're one of our favorites. One of ours, for sure. Oh. Yeah, Did you want to get a clean a clean read of that babe, or do you want to just stick with the the busted version? We're sticking with the it's I love sticking it. with the it's busted version. It's so much version. funnier when you mess up, straight yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree. All right, cool. Just um, want to make sure. Yeah, unless we wanted to like save it to a blooper reel, but um, since we're already behind on our Patreon content, um, I think that's probably a pipe dream. So let's yeah. stick with the busted version. Um, I want to call it, it's busted, not broken. So because it's not broken, we're not going to fix it. Hey, sometimes when people find like really powerful builds, like really overpowered builds in uh, video games, they call them busted. So busted can be a good thing. You're like, whoa, this is so, so good. It's busted. You're like, bad is actually a slang now and it means good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what is happening? It's like double speak in 1984. (laughs) Grandma, Grandma Christina, that um, that that happened in the eighties. People would say bad is cool as good, and I guess they still do it sometimes. But the reason that sticks out in my brain is because I think it comes up with Aunt Viv in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. She's like talking about it. You know what? I can also <laughs> see it being because like there was that whole Michael Jackson song, "I'm Bad." Oh yeah, true. So I think that sh- I'm sure plays into the zeitgeist. So, really quick question about. Uh, uh, this stuff that we talked about in the Flamio Hotman episode. But another thing, another slang that I see, I hear the kids saying, but I don't quite, 
I don't quite feel confident enough using it. Mm-hmm. It's like when someone's really bad at swearing is the word drip. I feel like I've heard it used a lot. I feel like it's often used to describe like an outfit. Yeah, outfits, it applies. If you have a fly outfit, you're like, oh, he is on that drip, <laughs> right? Isn't that kind of the way it's, I don't know. I could be showing my age right now. I'm sorry, everyone. I feel like I could not possibly tell you the correct answer. I can hear the the clicks of people turning off their, their radios. Wait, no radios? God damn it. <laughs> Grandpa! Grandpa, go to sleep. You're having a hard time. <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> you know what? If our most uh, social media savvy uh, friend cannot tell us how to use that word in a proper context, uh, then um, there's no hope for any of us. Can I, can I recommend <laughs> Urban Dictionary? Oh. Um, we actually looked up Urban Dictionary, so funny story, uh, we went out to dinner, um, a few weeks ago with, um, some family friends and our neighbors who are this lovely gay couple, and we were going to, we were coming back from dinner, and somehow, I forget how this came up, but like- Do you like, remember what the name of it was? Because na- I know what you're talking yes, about. Yes, our neighbor was like, somehow the term muddy beaver came up organically <laughs> in a conversation. <laughs> was up. I telling <laughs> you- and Was I, I telling you about Timberborn <laughs> and we got on the topic of beavers that po- way? Possibly. Who knows? <laughs> and so like- <laughs> Um, no, it was, I don't think it was that. It was definitely something our neighbor, like, brought up the term muddy beaver. It totally made sense in context. But then we're like, you know what? Muddy beaver? I just can't help but think of, like, that has to be a lesbian bar somewhere. Somewhere. (laughs) Muddy beaver. And, like, and then, Zach, I was like, oh, I'm sure it's a sex move, too. And you bet your ass we went on Urban Dictionary and we looked that shit up. Urban Dictionary is the spot. But yep. I feel like Urban Dictionary is full of names for sex moves that, like, nobody has ever, like, said aloud in real life. Well, one person did, because then they're the person who put it on Urban Dictionary, and that's that. Sure, but there are many sex moves on Urban Dictionary that no one has ever done. <laughs> that people, oh, this would be a funny, gross thing to do in a sex move, <laughs> and now I'm gonna call it a, a thing on Urban Diction. is bullshit. I'm calling the Urban Diction Dictionary Spiracy. It fosters creativity. <laughs> Yeah, I for- also forgot where I saw this, but somewhere, someone put on their resume that, oh, Zach and I were watching an episode of Hell's Kit- or Hotel Hell with our beloved yeah. Gordon Ramsay, and this woman who is an innkeeper of an inn in Harper's Ferry, which is, you know, a little close to home, so we were, mm-hmm. we were extra interested, very eclectic woman, not going to knock her style or, you know, her hospitality game. You know, she's got her own thing. But on her business card, one of the quirks that it says, in addition to innkeeper, is Wikipedia content or article, like, editor. And it's like, okay, well. It's like an internet vigilante. Yeah, but <laughs> anyone can do that. That's the whole point yeah. of Wikipedia is anyone can write a Wikipedia. Yeah, article. but do but do you? But do you? No. It's like calling yourself a blogger and then linking to your GeoCities account. Like, hey everybody, look at my blog. What's GeoCities? That's too old for even us. <laughs> no, it's like the Blogspot before Blogspot. Cute. GeoCities is like a cute little name. It's like what if there could be cities on the earth? I can just, I could just, oh my god, I could just picture people on Blogspot or GeoCities and they're sitting there with their coffee and someone's like, oh, what do you do? And they're like, oh, I'm a blogger. <laughs> I well, have 
dozens of people read my blog every week. Yeah, except for our generation, instead of Wikipedia, it's going to be Urban Dictionary con- like, article, article, mm. content creator. We've come full circle. This episode is awesome. I can't wait to talk about it. In fact, it is. we should just start talking about wait, it. Wait, is this, this is-, is this episode dripping uh, right now? <laughs> I, oh my god. <laughs> Hang on, let me uh, dab to you about this episode real quick. Uh. Um, this episode is hella awesome. Uh, this episode is book three, Fire, episode eight, The Puppet Master. Uh, do you have a summary pulled up or do you want me to read it? I do, I do. Go so. In this episode, the gang visits a creepy village where many mysterious disappearances have occurred. They befriend an old innkeeper named Hama, who reveals that she is a waterbender from the Southern Watern tribe. She becomes Katara's mentor and shares with her the tragic story of her life as a prisoner of the Fire Nation. Katara discovers Hama is kidnapping civilians with a dark ability known as bloodbending to enact her revenge. The resulting battle forces Katara to use a technique against Hama to save her friends. Hama, being taken away in handcuffs, is pleased because she feels she has passed on her dark legacy to the new generation. I just got chills. Dun, dun, dun. Name a better Star Wars movie. Like, lot, even, this is a very straightforward episode, but a lot to unpack here. And unlike our go to John Mulaney bit. Um, we are going to take the time to unpack all of that because that's why y'all are listening. So, I love it. Uh, Tina. Or to put it another way. Now we don't have time to unpack all of that. We do, John. We do. <laughs> we do have the time. Uh, so Tina, uh, Zach, initial thoughts. What do we, th- what do we think about this episode? Uh, be- like one of the best episodes so far, honestly. This one was so, so great. This is probably my favorite episode because Katara is my favorite character. I relate to her deeply. And mm. her entire character arc is, I went through al- an almost identical character arc at her age um, of being like very obnoxious <laughs> and then be- turning it into a strength. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and I just love the the complex themes of like tradition and legacy and like sisterhood in this. Like, it's just a really beautiful episode and um, it's like spooky. It's like very mature. I'm yeah. I'm kind of a weenie, but so like the scariest episode of a children's <laughs> show is like perfect for me. Okay. A weenie, a weenie baby, a weenie. Hey, Christina. I'm a goofy goober. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 are. This episode is the salty spittoon, and we're trying to like be mature enough to get in. Which I just have to say, Christina, mature is the most mature pronunciation of that word <laughs> that i can imagine so like it's uh, elevated <laughs> did i say that yes you, you did, did yeah. <laughs> that is funny yeah it's like spelled m-a-t-e-u apostrophe r <laughs> well it's because my grandma has always told me that i'm very mature and she says it like that so yeah. <laughs> i feel like i just absorbed it yes absolutely i love that and there's a lot of elements, you know, that's honestly very fitting for this episode because we can see a lot of elements of throughout, you know, Hama's history that Katara has also, you know, incorporated into her identity and like really latches on to that um, 
in the early part of this episode. So, And it's just, I think it's what really gripped me about this episode was that there is such a gap in Katara's understanding of her own culture because she is like living in a post-genocidal mm-hmm. like like yeah. society. And so this this person who is like from that before time and has insight into not only the culture but their bending techniques which were completely lost to Katara uh is so interesting to be like oh given this little this little nugget of a, 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 a previous culture that matters deeply to us because we care so much about Katara and, and Sokka. Yeah, Katara's been, like, desperate for, like, something, like, a person like this, kind of. Yeah, for sure. The one thing that I will mention here, and it's probably one of the few things I'm going to pick this episode, but, um, you know, we learn from Hama, you know, that she, like, at w- 60 years ago, like, right before the raids from the Fire Nation were starting... Um, and they started to round up waterbenders and we see like, you know, the genocide and this trauma really start to unfold. Um, there were, of course, dozens, if not more waterbenders in the Southern Water Tribe. And then Hama is the last one. And then presumably Katara, like, you know, sometime later uh, is the last one. But we know that bending is not tied to genetics because there's the episode in I can't remember if I believe it's book one. I do know it is the fortune teller episode where the two twin boys and one of them is a bender and one is not. So I'm just wondering though, like, but how does it pass down? Like, or that's just a question I always have here, but it's just like, okay, but like there is Hama was the last one. Katara quote is the last one. So like, is it almost like in times, like it does the spirit world sense? Like there's like, not a good time to like you know have waterbenders born into the world and just makes them more rare or like I just Katara Katara's mother was not one correct no not to so my knowledge we I mean we know it can skip generations I still think it has to do with like like genetics because otherwise you would just have random air nomads like be born as waterbenders right like there has to be some form of genetic. See, but like, I, tie to it. I disagree with that because, like, the if it was genetics, then both of those twins, like, no, it could. I mean, it could be, it could be in one and not the other. Like, as long as the gene is there, it doesn't necessarily mean it's like active, right? Identical it's twins like, have the same, yeah, genetic code ex- identically. That's why, tw- like, twin studies are so important because they can see that, like twins that are born in like that have the same genetic code and are are presumably growing up in the same or under similar circumstances they can see then like how differences in their health you know or certain health outcomes or like whatever it is uh in their life behavior that you know because they have that baseline they can rule genetics out because they have the same slate so they can really look at the influence the environment has um, and that's what epigenetics is. It's like, you know, the influence of your outside env- environment or some type of environmental stimuli on the expression of certain genes. Sure. Um, but we're but we're also dealing with like magical spirit powers. Right. So there there is a little bit of wiggle room here for just like, yeah, OK, yes, waterbending is in your family. So it may spontaneously, you know, pop up amongst your offspring, but it may not. 
And it's random as to whether or not it does, but it still has like has to be tied to your family in some way. I feel like the power to bend is just like this energy that exists, and like I think it's like a spirit. It just like cycles around, and it like finds a new person to manifest in when it needs to. That's how I feel, kind of like it almost it has like its own will to go on. I'm kind of there with you, Tina. I think because like just like certain people, and like I know this might be controversial or. You know, not everyone may agree with this, but, you know, I'm a very spiritual person and I definitely, you know, just seeing like with the people in my own family, like certain people I feel like are more attuned to certain things. Like, so whether it's, you know, the weather like that affects them and their sinuses or like, you know, dreams, for example, like I've had prophetic dreams where like I will have some, I will dream something and then like it will happen like the next day. Like, so not saying that like, you know, this is probably coincidence, right? But I also think certain people are more in, they're naturally in tune. And like, I think it's something you can train through like meditation and through self study and reflection. Like, people can get better at it. But I also, I guess, you know, so it's maybe a little column A, column B. Like, some of it's natural, some of it's like more of like the spirit thing that the, the spirit world can kind of influence. I don't know. I just wish there was more consistency to it. Well, there's, I think there's also a precedent for like, the the tribes, like, you said, you'd said that like, how does the spirit world know? Like, oh, it's like, there's only the two of them left. But like, there's still the entire Northern Water Tribe. And I don't think that the spirit world really sees the difference between these two tribes. They're both just waterbenders, right? Anyway, I... This is a very interesting topic, but I, I think we should, in, in for the sake of pacing, probably uh, talk <laughs> right. about Move something the else. Hell on. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, I mean, when we start this episode, they're all telling ghost stories by the fire. It's pretty spoopy. Um, this this made me want like an episode between this one and the one before it, where they just like each tell a story, and we get like their three stories as the whole episode, like the vignettes that we do yeah. with like, Bob's Burgers. Yeah, or... Bob's Burgers, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wanted I wanted that episode. Okay, let's do that. We're doing that now. So we are all <laughs> camping. What is our mini vignette fire story? You mean as the characters or as ourselves? As ourselves. Okay. But if we were in, you know, the Avatar, I don't know. <laughs> mine's, mine's a, an, a, an epi- like, mine's a, a party that we all have at Tina's house. And, um, it's like the adventure, the first episode of Adventure Time where there's zombies crowding in, but Christina only lets a few of us know and we have to fight the zombies off while still making sure the party, like, goes <laughs> off without a hitch. I love that. I love it. High stakes, but also comedic. Gives me some, like, Shaun of the Dead vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how about you, Tina? If I had to tell a ghost story, I don't really know that many of those, so I would probably tell the story of Bunny Man Bridge, which is near, <gasps> uh, like, near where I grew up. Interesting! But here's the thing, I don't remember the story at all, I just remember that it <laughs> involves a man in a bunny suit, so I'll probably just make it up from there. Okay, that sounds great. great. I Something do about know murder, this, I don't know. I do know the story of Buddy Man's Fridge. That, that was like five minutes from where I grew up. That's haunting, yeah. My I dad think- um, my dad drove me and my brothers under it and pretended that the car was stalling out and he scared us pretty bad. Oh, no. <laughs> um, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> Dads, you know what I mean? <laughs> Somewhat, some other dad could have completed the illusion and, gone, and gotten like a $40 bunny suit. Just really... <laughs> See, my, okay, my, I have definitely done this before, and this came up 
Um, I had some PTSD flashbacks when listening to the My Immortal episode, which, by the way, if anyone on listening to this has not done that yet, what the fuck are you doing? Stop. Go listen to that right now, because that is the best piece of audio content that I have ever listened to. It's so Christina, good. It's the greatest so well gift Haley's ever given me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's amazing. But, um... Brooke, when uh, she was talking about talking, singing uh, at a talent show with our Girl Scout troop. I like, can't think about this story. It makes me want to laugh until I like explode. And, it's the funniest uh, thing. So on camping trips, we would do talent shows or we would tell stories around the quote campfire all the time. And at one point... I just watched Stephen King's Thinner with my dad, like, and I've mentioned on the pod before how a lot of my movie influences have come from my dad. And so we just watched Stephen King's Thinner and I was so compelled and I just decided to like basically regurgitate that entire story in the campfire and it lasted for like 40 minutes and it was way too long and like you know people like were really into it but i also think that it was also just my troops leaders telling me that to make me feel better about myself <laughs> yeah that's their uh, job so people would people would tune into this episode and they'd be like oh it's 70 minutes long and each of these other stories are like fun and cute and there's like a 40 minute one tacked onto the end it's so weird yeah but also <laughs> like that is definitely a story that probably has not aged well it's like this story of this man who's rude to a woman in line and like she is a uh you know romani woman and who like curses him by whispering thinner and he literally just starts like wasting away to nothing uh and so like the whole trope of like you know the, the yeah. evil like like treacherous stealing backhanding uh like romani woman is definitely something that we don't endorse um however gosh that's a really great segue back into the episode (laughs) (laughs) here we are those are some great stories thanks Uh, speaking of things we don't endorse (laughs) i i wanted to mention about my immortal before we completely leave the topic i love that uh when we were recording that intro originally Haley did the um the captain what is it captain phillips bit and I I had to be like, oh, guys, I'm not recording. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. <laughs> we had to, we had to do an entire take two. take two. It's like, okay, but- guys, you have to you have to act like it's as funny <laughs> the second time. I yeah. can't tell. You can't tell. You can't tell anyone. Yeah. This will never see the light of day. <laughs> I mean, I get that they're trying to, like, tell creepy stories by the fire and all of this stuff. But, like, these kids have seen some shit. They've like, yeah. they're literally been child soldiers. They're the pairing, the carrying the entire weight of the world on their shoulders. And, uh, so quite frankly, I'm not sure what would be terrifying in comparison to seeing like my mother, like murdered. Um, it's just funny that these kids have so much deep, dark trauma. And the best Sasaka could come up with is like, the sword was haunted. <laughs> okay. Here's ah! the thing. Here's the thing. This episode takes every opportunity for Sokka to unsheath his sword. Yeah. He does not use it once. I don't think, but he fucking tries to, <laughs> he d- oh, he's-, he's flashing it around so much. They're like, guys, look at this sexy, sexy sword. Yeah, check out this. Look at this sweet, sweet continuity. Uh, Which- look at this long, erect continuity that we got right here. It's everywhere. It's flapping about. Uh, it's, the continuity is just flapping about. We've got our BSE, our big sword energy. <laughs> but it's also terrifying because um, I'm going through some like Viking 
Norse mythology kick right now, and there is a tale called the ta- uh, the tale of Herver, like uh, the ballad of Herver, who is like this um, soldier or this Viking that starts as female, <laughs> then starts going by male pronouns, which is so badass. And they steal, they rob their father's grave to steal his sword. And uh, the sword has been passed down to the family and it's cursed where every time it is unsheathed, it has to be, it has to kill. It literally has to be coated in Whoa. the blood of a dead person before it can be sheathed again. And so, That's like, so and, fucking sick. It's so metal. every time I know, right? So every single time Sokka just whips this sword out, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, still, uh, still, that's the, like, yeah, haunted sword. And it's, it's Chekhov's sword because it does come back later in the episode where he's like, oh, what if, like, the sword was haunted or some shit? <laughs> haunted sword. So, the, uh, they're all telling ghost stories and, like, Hama comes upon them in the woods and is like, hey, and they all, they all, like, start, you know? Like, how, I'm trying to figure out, like, how you could possibly approach, like, a campsite in a non threatening <laughs> way in the middle of the night, you know what I mean? May, so here's what I would do. I would do a uh, I would do a Goonies reference. I would just from a very great distance be like, "Hey, you guys!" <laughs> I'm laughing, but I've never seen the Goonies. I think you make your presence known from a while from a from a ways off. Yeah, yeah. I do that in like regular life. If I think I might be accidentally sneaking up beside behind someone, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they know I'm right here. Actually, I think mostly to my cats. I'm like, hey, I'm not sneaking about. Don't. Don't freak out. You're just like, just like, hey, I have beer. <laughs> yeah, and like, just hold the beer up in front yeah. of you. <laughs> I've also been, man. It's it's gonna be full of media references this episode, y'all. I'm sorry, buckle in. But I've also been watching Alone, which is a survival show that was, I guess, on History, but is now on Netflix. And yeah, uh, the everyone is just terrified because they're literally in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's just them and just bears everywhere. And I'm just like, nope, I, every, there's no way, there's no way someone could approach my campsite without me feeling like threat, non-threatened. I'm like, no, you're, you're going to be a bear. There's going to be something that's going to be, it's not going to end well for you. And then she's like, she's like, Hey kids, hi, I'm, I'm a mysterious old woman. Why don't, you come with me and sleep and let your defenses down in one of the rooms that I have keys to. And Sokka immediately is like, yeah, that sounds They're great, actually. more than willing. These children need care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you go through your, you go through your journey, uh, like slumming it on, on street corners and in the forest. And then you stay in one hotel and you're just like, oh shit, well. Now that I've experienced this, like, I can't ever go back to doing that again. Well, would you guys go with her? Like a creepy grandma in the middle of the woods, would you go? Absolutely not! See, I I wouldn't, but then I wouldn't feel safe in the woods That's with her the knowing where I was. I would, I would at all costs not be sleeping in the middle of the dark woods, so I'm going with her, for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's a good... Oh. I would I would go with her on the pretense like that she would have to do something to like make me feel comfortable. You like know I'm, what? I'm not ex- I will follow her, but I'm not. 
It has to be towards civilization. If I get there and it's a shack just in the middle of the fucking woods, I'm turning the right the fuck around. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not eating any of her food. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it, it it would depend on like I know this is gonna sound weird, but it would feel better for me if she at least like lampshaded it a little bit. You know, if she was just like, hey, listen, like, I know how Hansel and Gretel this looks, but, like, (laughs) I really just want to help. I'd be like, all right, I see that you're trying to just do good here. I have this problem where I just (laughs) trust all women, and it's not not ideal. I would probably totally get Hansel and Gretel. I'm chubby. I like sweets. I'm I, I like hiking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In hindsight, you're always like it's like on the <clears> game <throat> show and family feud and you're watching and like, all right, top hundred ten answers on the board. Like and you're like, come on, you're screaming at the TV like what the answer <laughs> is, and then like you're actually in that position, you're like, Oh, candy, good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It reminds me of the trope, like, you know, we were, what were the things that we were told growing up? Uh, never accept candies from strangers and never get in a stranger's vehicle. Um, and, oh, now what do we do? We have apps where we, <laughs> we summon <laughs> literal strangers to our house yeah. and get in their vehicle. And, like, they have all our personal information without question. <laughs> It reminds me of this story of when I got uh, dumped at PAX Prime. I was uh, we were there showing our game, and uh, this was years and years ago. And I just remember getting a whole joint from my um, my producer, our producer, because it was it was legal over there. And so he was just like, "Here, I, I bought a joint," and I was like, "Oh, great, sick." So I just smoked the whole thing that night after getting dumped and got lost in, uh, in, God, I don't even remember what city. Was it? Anyway. Uh, all his got, stories are a blur to him. He's done so much. I got lost in PAX Prime, <laughs> uh, at PAX Prime, ended up on a street corner, and just remember, like, my phone was at, like, 5%. Oh, you just And I lost. called an Uber to get back to the hotel, and I just remember being like, okay, I'm terrified right now that I'm just going to be lost in the city with a dead phone. But, like, if I can just get into this stranger's car, like, I'll be fine. You'll be safe. <laughs> I'll be safe. <laughs> Such a weird world. <laughs> So they go, they go back with her. Unquestioningly, and, they're like, let's fucking go. Yeah, they're like, let's do it. And then they're just chowing down on some food. And we get actually a good bit of, this is actually a pretty good food episode for you, babe. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a good episode what? It's a good, like, food episode. There's like a, they go shopping. It's a good episode, for, it's a good episode for gourmands, which is a it word is. I learned recently. It means I foodie. I love the word go- gourmand. And <laughs> it means that, I like food. <laughs> Um, it means I'm a foodie, <laughs> but I don't want to be called a foodie. So Sokka is like pretty creeped out. He's like, "Hey, I'm gonna poke around." Which honestly, like Katara's like, "Don't poke around this woman's home. Yeah. Like, it's an inn. Like people, public people are in there all the time." Oh yeah, you're why right can't about he that. just? That, I kind of forgot about that. It, like it's an inn. Why can't he poke around a bit? Like it, I think that I'm s- I like the snooping rules of Linda Belcher from that one episode of Bob's Burgers, where she's like, "I'm not snooping. I'm just noticing." And she's like looking around <laughs> at all of their stuff without like touching. And then she's like, "Oh my god, did you notice how this drawer just fell right open?" And, <laughs> and that's how they. <laughs> uh, that's a whole the whole story comes after it. But if you're just walking around noticing. You know, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> you just you are rolling nat twenty after nat twenty on those perception checks. It's not yeah, yeah, your yeah. fault that your dice are just 
so all twenties. Like, they're sensing that your need for these nat twenties, and it just <laughs> the universe provi- provideth. Your your dice are all just blank, and the the DM keeps asking, and you just, oh, get another 20? Oh my god, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right, are we on, and as as we're going through, like, we've noticed, like, we've heard the, like, villagers have been going missing. Toph, oh, yeah, yeah. Toph, like, felt, like, you know, voices in the woods, which really which freaked them out. Which they wrote off so fucking quickly. Yeah, they really did. Yeah. She was like, oh, weird, there's people screaming. Oh, well, they're not screaming anymore, anyway. And they were all just 100% like, oh, you're telling another scary story <laughs> without any, like, need to clarify or anything. Um, did you notice that Toph's shoes had bottoms on them? I did not. Her, her shoes had bottoms. Fat bottom shoes. Okay, which is interesting because this is something that we noticed Last episode yeah. with Time Lord Iroh is some scenes her f- shoes had bottoms, others they did not. Yep. So yep. it happened in this one. Okay, too. here's here's a question. If they made her shoe bottoms out of metal or <laughs> some type of like earthen a stone shoe bottom. <laughs> then yeah, then when she stands on the ground uh, on the stones, isn't that technically like she's connected to the earth? Mm, she's I don't know. It's if she wears a layer of it on her feet. That should that that might check out. If they're just like mud caked. <laughs> hey, Shark Tank! Listen, sharks. Do I have the product for you? I'm sorry. Uh, it's I it's I, it's uh, the Walk a Rock. They're brought their shoes with rocks on them. It's great mm-hmm. for people that earth bent. I mean, it checks out, and like, cause you know, spe- like I'm still on my survival list kick right now, but like, it's like the other show, um, Dual Survival, that used to come in history or Discovery back in the day, where it was like, there's military Navy se- SEAL, and then this go lucky hippie who like probably smokes weed every day, lives out in like <laughs> nature, and has not worn a pair of shoes in like. 10 plus years because he's trying to like train the micro like f- like flora of his feet to like the bi- the bacteria to be more in sync with the ground and some shit and I'm like alright there might be something there that checks out to me but also you're walking through the Louisiana bayou and there is a 10 foot cotton mouth that just or python whatever the fuck gator who knows just like walked by and that makes me really anxious and uncomfortable so I'm just so glad they did not meet Toph before uh, they went to that swamp because seeing Toph go barefoot through that swamp may have emotionally damaged me irreparably (laughs) Um. (laughs) all the parasites Uh, thank you Mr. Wonderful I will take your royalty deal <laughs> Into perpetuity. <laughs> Into perpetuity. Uh yeah, so shoes. I don't know. What where where do we fall on the side here of Katara or Sokka? Like, would we be on Sokka's side being like, this is super sus. We're like, this lady, nah, we're we're gonna go and we're gonna like figure out her shit. Or see, I I'm so Are we split with Katara between. and be like, this is I'm- her in. Like, it's like going through all the drawers and shit in the Airbnb. Like, y'all, no, we can't do that. I'm so split between these two mentalities because, like, obviously, we're on a very important mission. It's crucial that we succeed in our mission. Like, for the world, it's, imp- it's important. So, like, we cannot just trust anyone let our guard down and have someone slit our throats at night because that's a real possibility. No one's talking about it. People refuse to say the word death, but... 
like any one of these people that they choose to put their trust in could just very easily kill them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's something I think Sokka is very, very acutely aware of. Sokka's the so- only and- one who is doing that yeah. work, that emotional labor of worrying that they're going to get assassinated. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important work. But also, it's important to have friends. Otherwise, you're not going to succeed. You have to, you have to be willing to like accept the help of strangers. I mean, Sokka learned that in the episode where he learned how to be a cool swordsman. Um, And it's, so it's just like, I'm of two minds about it because I do think that it's important to sort of trust your instincts and know when you can trust someone. But it, but it, it like Sokka's very, very right to be very suspect here. And she's not she's not doing herself any favors with her behavior. She's oh my also God, just being she's really like, weird and creepy. Yeah, she's like, how can I be as weird and creepy as possible? And also she's like, hey, just so you know, these woods are dangerous because there are people going missing for some reason. Like she's straight up bragging to these children. She's like, <laughs> she's, she's like, like, I guess there's a scary monster about. Maybe you should watch your back. <laughs> She's like, she's like uh, Poe uh, po down at the dry cleaner. Yeah. Something tells me Poe, uh, Poe might, Poe might, uh, might be taken by this awful monster. How scary. Be careful, kids. Uh, what's the old man's name? Old man uh, Ding. Old man Ding. Old man Ding. And I don't know friggin- if it's like Ding or like Dink. It's gotta I be Ding, ding, right? Yeah. Ding. Um, gung, gung. I think it's Ding. Yeah, Ding is, uh, and they don't call her old, old, old lady Hana or Hama. So there's a little bit of, come on, man, don't, don't do my man Ding dirty like that. Ding dirty Dan, dirty, dirty Dings crab shack. <laughs> I am also interested in, um, what do we think? Like Hama's motives are. Yo, I was wondering that this whole episode. I was wondering. Because, yeah. I mean, question. obviously in the end it's the beginning, but like, okay, how does she, like, how, how does she know? Like, she never says. Like, so they go through, they like snoop through this old lady's shit. They find this comb. It's her most valued possession. And they're like, oh, well, that was anticlimactic. And they're like, oh, well, it's a waterbending thing. And I knew this whole time that you were uh, from uh, the Southern Water Tribe. And it's like, but how i mean i'm sure being a master waterbender there's something she could have sensed in katara maybe that made her like know she was a waterbender but there's no she didn't see her bend so she can't tell if it's like foggy bottom style or like or foggy swamp style or southern or northern water tribe i mean if we're getting like very real about this i feel like katara and Sokka, even though they don't in the show they would probably have like an accent right (laughs) like like just like they they grew up in like a very isolated village yeah it's a good theory i mean i that's something that i would have guessed too (laughs) but yeah they but they don't in the show yeah yeah it's interesting um I I don't I wonder if she just discerned that they were water tribe and then when she was like I'm southern water tribe and Katara just offered up the oh I'm southern water tribe too. I don't actually know if she maybe if she knew from the start that they were southern water tribe. Oh yeah. Maybe. That makes uh. sense. Well, but we don't know how long she was listening either. Maybe Sokka was telling some old Southern Water Tribe uh, scary oh, story. Oh, that's dumb. That's how we know cuz she overheard them at the campfire. Yeah, because Katara was telling the story about her mom. Yeah. Okay. Well, ignore 
me being dumb. No, we that's... figured it out. We figured it out yeah, together. Yeah, we, we're we doing the work. Yeah. We're yeah. doing the work. See, you know what, folks? We're doing the work so you don't have to. I didn't that's steal right. that from another podcast. My <laughs> my cabbage is uh, the podcast where we do our research while recording the episode. <laughs> I was definitely not that kid in school that procrastinated and was doing homework for the next class period <laughs> that was due in the previous period. No, not at all. Uh, oh, yeah, see, me too. I feel like I would do that once in a while, but so we we had this Spanish teacher in high school that was the laziest teacher I've ever had in my entire life. She would ask us for our homework and we would literally it got to the point where she obviously wasn't reading them because I, we would write down like wrong answers and she would just check the paper and give it back to us. And then after a while she stopped collecting them because that was too much work. So she literally would just have us hold up the paper and then she'd mark it down in her book. And she did not have very good uh, eyesight. So literally on many, many occasions I held up a blank sheet of paper, the blank worksheet with nothing written on it. And she marked down that I had done my homework. Wow. And to put See, it down. and I would do exactly that. And that's why I just <laughs> definitely cannot be a teacher. <laughs> Sounds right to me. It's like, I don't yeah. give a shit. You tried it enough. We, sure, we did, we did it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I think this could come down to, like, Hama could just genuinely not want the art to, like, die. The, the this like ancient art to like die off. It, that's like the only explanation that makes sense, and I just wish it was. I wish it was stronger. I wish it wasn't just like, well, she's a crazy old lady. Like, <laughs> I don't know, because she's like so crazy about it. Like, it almost <laughs> seems like it's one of those like it's like it's a dark art that like corrupts you or something. Yeah, it, it seems like it seems of, like it's the only thing that she cares about is like bloodbending. Some like the rings like thrall going on here or something. Mm. Or the the book of the Santi. <laughs> Did I get that? Or the book of the damned? What is it? Dude, I don't fucking know. What a fucking okay. Sorry, not trying to spoil <laughs> potential spoilers for Doctor Strange for multiverse. The new Doctor Madness. Strange movie, which was like fine, but also exhausting. Like I'm, Marvel is I'm done with Marvel for sure, personally. It was, it was so exhausting to watch. I was just like, there are like eight different things happening here, and all of them are from things that I would have had to watch or like seen or whatever. And like all of it, it's just, man, it, it's a mess. Anyway. Yeah, that's, that sounds like perfect content for our Patreon co- like, uh, yeah. episodes. Nice. But yeah, here, um, I don't know. I, um, yeah, I do think Hama wanted to keep the tradition alive. And it, like, I do think that they do, a, for a kid's show, I think they do a really good job of seeing or showing her trauma and just, like, through, like, the subtle storytelling. Like, honestly, like, this, like, episode was very visually jarring to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. seeing, like, seeing waterbenders being captured and, like, put in nets and carried away and, like, then put into prison and actually seeing someone and like seeing like her deteriorate over time. Yeah. They um, were like in suspended cages in a room that they blasted hot air, air into. Too. Like how fucking miserable. Uh, so awful. we see like, like this is, you know, is clearly an industrial size operation. It was not just airbenders where, 
uh, you know, Sozin went and had all of the waterbender or air, all the airbenders uh, killed because of the potential next avatar reincarnating. Like it was any bender anywhere. And they set up entire facilities and pipelines to make sure that these people were captured and kept in place. And like, there's, I mean, there's guards that have to keep these places going. And it's like, you just think of all of these layers that are even showed. And I'm just like, fuck man, I can't, I can't emotionally handle this episode today. <laughs> it was a lot. So like, and cause we never, you know, the most I think we see of the air nomads being taken or like, you know, presumably killed mm-hmm. is we see no one's there and then we see like just these ruins everywhere and we hear about it but the most the only skeleton we see is of um monkey Atsu. yeah so like this was the first episode where we actually see like someone that was alive in that time period living it and it was a lot <laughs> it was a lot uh yeah, it was just like it's a, it's it serves twofold purposes, right? It like really helps to flesh out the heritage that uh, Sokka and Katara come from, but it also like does a great job of like hyping the audience up for like, okay, th- this is how bad the Fire Nation is, like sort of getting us sort of hyped for the the heel turn, right? Yeah. The, when we start winning and stuff, like we're like, all right, now let's make them pay. Like we we gotta we gotta win the day, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Probably could have been said in half as many words. No, no, you're doing great. Thanks. What do we think happened to... But why do we think the Fire Nation was, like, capturing the waterbenders? I mean, it makes sense. I guess it's because they're the ones that could most actively, like, fight against them. But, like, why why keep them and put them in a prison? Like, that's the only thing that doesn't really scan to me you mean like why did they just execute them all on, on ex- site? Yeah. right or like you know put because that is going to take a lot of time and resources into keeping like these vendors and so that's why you know usually like in some type of comp like prison industrial complex like this you have them doing some type of labor or like something to help like offset the cost of literally keeping them in prison and um you know you can't you have to keep them busy and isolated or else they're just gonna like plot so i don't know i was just like wondering why are you besides like question besides just capturing them as like as a potential threat like why are you just like keeping them in cages and it i don't know i would i would wonder from a narrative aesthetic reason i know this is gonna sound kind of cynical uh but like it could be that they'd felt like like an eradication of the water tribe waterbenders would have taken the punch away from the eradication of Aang's people. Wow. But I don't, I don't, that's just me putting on my narrator. I'm going to be less shitty. So this other thing seems more shitty. Right. Yeah. But my, my fanon, my fanon like creative engine is brewing that they were actually working on brainwashing a bunch of waterbenders to make some sort of secret water op. Yeah, that's probably the only hypothesis I can come up with is that they were hoping to one day do science on the waterbenders. Oh fuck! It's yeah. like what, what's that? What's the name of that like mercenary op, like Blackwater or whatever? Yeah, we don't. Oh yeah, the um, military contracting company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we don't talk about them. The one theory that I can think of would be that because like 
just thinking of what we have to compare this to, if we're thinking back to the imprisoned episode um, with Hakoda and his dad being, is that his name? Did I get that right? Hakoda, yeah. That's yeah. His name. Fuck yes! Oh my god, I'm on fire! Crushed it, you nailed it. Uh, Hakoda's father that was in prison, and, you know, we see the earthbending colony, and they have been taken, like, all the way out as far as possible into, like, the middle of the ocean on, like, a completely metal structure, which, at this point, no one has figured out metal bending until Toph. Um, so I, but still like they're able and they're doing some kind of work, right? They're doing coal, like they're sorting earth. So they're still using their earth bending powers, but here, like with the water benders are completely shut off and water is the biggest threat, I guess, to fire. I mean, it's what's weakest against them. So that would be my guess mm. is that they just, they like, and there's water everywhere to the point where like they knew like they can extract it from the air. So like, there's no way or no thing that they could put them to use for without, you know, them being a risk. So I wonder if it's just like, let, yeah, breaking them down psychologically Damn. until they finally can find something. Can we talk about how like, like, I wonder, I wonder how much of the like drawing water out of the air and stuff that like Han- Hama does is how much of it is Southern Water Tribe and how much of it is like her self-taught sort of like techniques that she needed to learn. Yeah, to, like, it, it seems more like a like when Toph teaches herself how to metal bend, like it, she yeah. was in a very desperate situation and had to get really yeah. resourceful with her bending. It sounds like blood bending is probably a tradition, though. Like a dark, like, Southern Water Tribe tradition? Maybe. Like, where did it come from before? No, because she didn't know it. She, like, came to learn it from, like, literally just going crazy, sitting in her cell and the rats. She could have invented it. Interesting. From from the information we have. But it also could be a passed down tradition with the information we have. It, It could be either. Yeah, it could be there's one. the there's an Illuminati that's like the secret underground society of <laughs> bloodbenders that existed, like the OG patriarchy. Yeah, and that guy from the Fantastic Four. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, and he, so you know, once we realize like it's actually Hama that is behind the disappearances of these villagers and Toph Aang and Sokka are going to try to confront them like simultaneously as Hama is like trying to mentor Katara and talking about the full moon and being the height of their powers and like it's very it's a very like cool scene i feel like you're you're so with hama as she's like starting you're like oh my god yes like female empowerment like water like we got this and then it just it you (laughs) there's like this shot where her like hands turn into like claws and you're like oh my god she's evil she's evil wait 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 (laughs) yeah it's like this exact second that happens yeah you're right yeah, it's it like, it looks exactly like um the daggers of someone's fingers. Uh oh, I'm forgetting the show where they just use it to like then rip out like somebody's heart. Like it's like the whoa. it's like it it's like animated shorthand though. It's like this is like good guy hand. This is bad guy hand. He's making hands at the camera. Every I I thought <laughs> of I it. Uh, this is one hundred percent 
Karapika in Hunter Hunter <laughs> as he, like, his hands become daggers and just, like, his assassin is just, you know, before someone even blinks has already, like, taken someone's heart out with the utmost precision. It's kind of creepy. Oh, are you talking about Karapika or, um, oh, what's his name? The kid, the little kid with the gray hair. Oh, it's not Karapika? Karapika's the, the blonde. Oh, that is. Um, uh, with the chains. Hold on. Kilowa. Kilowa, thank you. It's in Kilowa, yeah, in uh, Hunter Hunter. Sean's does his... been watching that lately, so you can talk to him about that this weekend. Hell oh, yeah. Oh, it's so good, Tina. I, you would like it too. I don't, I've told you before that Sean has about 20 times as much TV time as I do. I have to be yeah, very that's selective. Fair. Yeah. That's fair. But yeah. I do really, really like Hunter Hunter and recommend it. Yeah, no. And it's when she first does it with the ice, though, like when her, like, she does like these ice crystals, they turn into daggers, and then she throws them at like, the tree, it reminds me of, like, everyone, and everyone did this, and if you didn't, you're not living your life to its fullest potential, where everyone took the, uh, the bugles and just put them on their fingertips and gave them, like, the witchy, like, wolverine fingers. fingers. (laughs) Yeah, it was amazing. I thought you were gonna say some wild shit, like, everyone as a kid just took their, their, their family's butcher knives and threw them at trees, right? To make them <laughs> stick in the trees. That's totally. That. Yeah. yeah. That's something where it's you're like you have like thing. an intrusive thought that's like, that'd be fun. And then you're like, okay, well, we're <laughs> going to put that away. <laughs> <laughs> now that, that's, a, we found our, we found the boundary, y'all. We found the boundary about which we do not have the time to unpack. We don't have time to unpack all of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh Can we it, talk for a second about how painful blood bending looks? Like, uh, it makes my skin crawl every time someone like, does um, it. The sound effect is like like yeah, like yeah, all yeah. of your muscles are like stiffening up and like and like snapping. It's so creepy. It's like someone has like covered their their muscles in those electrodes that like they can stimulate to make people like spasm. I hate it. It it's just it looks so painful. It makes me it makes my skin crawl every time I see someone cuz they're their wrist is all like always like bent in like a weird angle yeah. or something. It just looks very strenuous and awful. Yeah. Before I go into this, Tina, are you, do you have any uh, stakes and Stranger Things? Uh, wait, what does that question mean? I, I've I'm all caught up, and I oh you are okay. If I you're am. all caught up, then we're good. So yeah. poten- potential spo- uh, or uh, Stranger Things spoilers, but uh, y'all Vecna is just a bloodbender. Yeah, like <laughs> totally. that is yeah for real. Yeah. Uh, so here we are. Like Vecna studied under Hama, but yeah, that's <laughs> but the whole contortion thing, like that, very much reminds me of like you know Vecna yeah. kind of M- <laughs> mo. Like I know what people mean when they say this episode is like creepy because like I think told from the right perspective, this is like a truly chilling story about someone who like goes off into the woods and becomes controlled. It ends up in this, like, dungeon with other people. And, like, you could, like, really, really get a good horror story out of this. And it is spooky. Yeah. But, like... Very spooky. I see the bad moon rising. But since I see trouble on the uh, way. Uh, but since it's a kid's show, when they go to get all of the prisoners out of the dungeon, they're just like, we're fine. Thanks for getting us. Let's run. Like... <laughs> yeah, they're all just fine. Uh, I love that for them. <laughs> Yeah. Uh well then, you know, the the gang, they all come and rescue the uh they go deep into the mountain, they find these villagers, they free them. It's like Shawshank Redemption, everyone's super excited, not at all questioning 
that they just saw these three children dressed as Fire Nation, one of them, like, blasting the door open with supposedly earthbending. Like, you know, they're using bending to get them out of all of these chains. So, like, but we're not gonna talk about that. We're just gonna, nope, okay, yep, they're kids. They're, we're on, they're on our side. We're just gonna let them take care of this. Uh... Yeah. yeah. At this point, they just kind of cool. feel like the they just kind of feel like the Belcher kids are just kind of like meddling, <laughs> so yeah, solving problems and meddling. Like, oh look, we found the the dungeon. <laughs> yeah, we we get then the full uh, circle back, and they confront Hama in the woods. And I mean, it's a very cool scene. It's a very it cool is. Fight it's scene. one of the it's the best fight scene to date. Katara does that thing where she stops the water and she makes it into like a half dome. And that's when you're like, yeah, Katara! Yeah! You know what I mean? (laughs) There's like that, there's that shot where like it like just erupts. Yeah. I'm trying to remember like exactly what happens. But yeah, it like erupts like a, like a dome. Yeah. Uh, And it just all becomes sort of particulates. She's just so strong and cool and badass. And I love her so much in this episode. And I would wager that the water effects are probably like as far as animation time wise are the most expensive because mm. water is hard and they're so beautiful all of them all of the water effects are so beautiful in this yeah water is hard particularly because it's not hard right it's like, it's a, like you gotta let go and just let water be water it's like a jiggly soft body physics it's like trying to like, draw clouds <laughs> you ever look yeah. up at the clouds and you're like that that can't be a real cloud but it, it yeah, is come on <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. How, okay, but how is Katara able to teach herself blood bending? She's just so good. She's just so good at bending. <laughs> she just, like, in a moment of, just like how Toph, in a moment of, of strife, like, we, we always have to remember that, like, Toph is a prodigy. We all love how incredibly strong Toph is. Katara is as good a waterbender as Toph is an earthbender. Right. Like, yeah, and I part of it I think is that like it it would never have occurred to Katara to do something like this, and right. the second her brain knows that she should be able to do it, she's like, "Well, I can do this." Yeah, I feel like a lot of bending works that way. Is people are just like, "Oh, I didn't know I could bend that," but now that I know that it's possible to, always try bending everything. That's the moral of yeah. the story. <laughs> <laughs> always bend. Or no, uh, a A B B always be bending. A B B always be bending. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, I got a jello cup. You want to see if you can bend it? <laughs> <laughs> jello bender. Bend my jello cup. Yeah, also, one thing I thought was interesting is Aang does not bend in this episode at all. Yeah. He's a background character. He is. He's supporting. And, you know, this is this was, I think, you know, big, just like we got uh, with Toph last episode with the runaway. Mm-hmm. We got a big episode with Sokka, Sokka's master. So, like, yeah, those have been like back to back to back. Each character has kind of been at the center um, of this pa- three past episodes. While Aang's been. anxiety is just slowly building in the background. Yeah, Aang is kind of like Harry in Order of the Phoenix. Like <laughs> he knows he has to kill the Dark Lord. He knows he has to go fight this Why prophecy. Me? But I'm just gonna like you know I just survived a near death experience, and I'm just gonna chill. Uh, in uh the background here um and process all of my emotions yeah <laughs> i'm feeling feelings because they're hard 
<laughs> the only thing I really noticed about Aang in this whole episode was how deep his little voice is getting. I'm like, Aang, you're a little man. <laughs> He's like, he says like two lines and they're in like the super awkward, like deep puberty voice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. He literally, when when they're fighting, he's like, Guitar uh, is like, sorry, I have to, <laughs> I have to freeze you, and he's like, it's okay, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I do remember that scene. Yeah, you yeah. know, you know why I didn't notice it? It's because I watched this episode one hundred percent with subtitles, no audio. Oh, I, I forgot my headphones, and I was coming back from seeing a friend in DC yesterday because I went to the Chicks concert, which was amazing. Oh uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, so I watched uh, on my way before recording this morning, and yeah, uh, just had to use the subtitles, which you know was fine. But did not get to hear uh, voice cracking and uh, the puke voice. voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, it just makes it even more like on point because I can just imagine like Harry in book five <laughs> when just he's pubing scr- out, screaming, and is like, "Stop it! What's- I'm fine." <laughs> What's more is I can totally picture Harry, like, Hermione having to freeze Harry to a tree and Harry being like, it's all right. (laughs) Yeah. I get it. I have Order of the Phoenix right here. I've been like, I'm like, I've, because of the angst factor, I've been like putting off reading it. I'm like, I I don't know if I'm ready to go on this journey with you right now, Harry. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Order of the Phoenix is my least favorite book. Fight me. Yeah. Yeah. With you. Yeah, but it's going to be the best season of TRS ever. Yeah, best season ever. Woo. Best season ever. The best Harry Potter, season Harry Potter Slander ever. Podcast. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we've gotten plenty of SpongeBob references in uh, this episode. So we've hit, our, we've hit our quota. Did we? I'm doing some math. <laughs> anyway. It's, it's unlimited. It's an unlimited quota. But... I think, uh, yeah. Is it's... this uh, the Krusty Krab? <laughs> no, this is Patrick. Uh, hello, is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Okay, I just needed to get that in there just so that your statement is true. I didn't want to make a liar out of you. It turns out we didn't make any SpongeBob jokes. We did. Like, the very, the very, very first thing that Tina said, we mentioned Goopy Goobers. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and the oh, salty right, spittoon. Right. I, I did I believe mention you. Goofy Coopers, as I yeah. want to do. Oh, you did mention the salty spittoon. Listen, listen to me. Like, totally forgetting what we just I'll talked do about. another SpongeBob reference. I'm fine. Here's my plug the SpongeBob movie game on the GameCube is the best video game I've ever played. <laughs> well, I've heard the battle for Bikini Bottom is pretty good, too. I haven't played that one. GameCube only. Uh, <laughs> I was a fan of the. Uh, the flash games that were on nickelodeon's website one of them being like the crusty crab like burger simulator where you had to like make krabby patties uh and serve all of the (laughs) sardines that that came up to the window or sorry not the sardines the um uh krabby patties no what's the hungry hungry the those are the nematodes yeah Um, um it was the nematodes yeah. No, no. You're, uh, you're talking about oh the the um the sardines. It is the sardines. Okay. Yeah, the sardines that show up I in the buses. And they're like, oh, we all need something smelly. <laughs> it's nematodes. A I, swear, I swear to God, those are the nematodes. 
I thought the nematodes were the things that like ate the like they were like the termites. That, like, yeah, ate the they crab. they ate they didn't eat the crusty crab. Are but these they, not they the, ate they, his house? Oh, we're not talking about the same thing. Okay. Th- no, that's the episode where they go through and they're like still hungry, still hungry, still hungry, okay, okay, and then okay. thirsty, thirsty, <laughs> and they suck down the pineapple juice. Out Welcome of- <laughs> to Sponge That Drip, a podcast where we talk about. SpongeBob SquarePants and misuse. Uh, What's that trip? I hate that with everything <laughs> I am. God. Uh, well, now you have someone to direct that hate to, Tina. We can both, like, you know, angry stare uh, Let at the hate flow through you. <laughs> so, this has been a great episode. Final thoughts, folks. Lay it on me. I wanted to mention how funny it Pour is. This- some fanning on me. In the name of love. This episode, I feel like, is a direct call out to the cabbage guy. Because, like, they go shopping and they get that one cabbage. Like, nobody wants it. Nobody cares. Nobody (laughs) wants the cabbage. They give it to Appa. Appa fucking spits it out. What kind of shade are you throwing on my man, the cabbage guy? It's because they weren't his cabbages. Clearly, if they were the cabbage guy's cabbages, Uh, they would eat them. No other cabbages will do. But These cabbages are decidedly not smashed by an airbag. I have your piece of cabbage trivia this episode, so... While they are unpacking groceries, while Kama is finishing her, or while Hama is finishing her errands, and they're all, like, talking about it, and Katara's like, oh, yeah, Hama reminds me of Kana, like, my grandma, and she's holding up a cabbage, and it's shaped like Kana's face in the leaves. Whoa. Get out of here. Yep. Are you sure it's not Jesus? Oh, no, that would only be in grilled cheese. Hama would go on to sell that cabbage for $12.6,000 on eBay. And then they made an NFT out of it. Yeah, right. I just wanted to say book three cabbage. That's, that's all. But I missed my opportunity. It's fine. Um, another thing that we didn't that we didn't talk about is at the very end when Katara is like crying because she did the blood bending. And she's yeah. like, yeah, she's like extreme, like profoundly sad about it. Yeah, we probably should talk about how this thing ends. Which I I probably would feel empowered by that, even if it was a little bit evil, personally. I I have to agree with you, Tina. I'd be like, I'd be like, damn. Well, at least I know I have this extremely dark like <laughs> card that I can play if I'm like, yeah. Facing and it's death. like if, it's like she was trying to do the exact same thing to you, so you can't feel bad about doing it to her in retaliation. She was yeah. like emotionally manipulated. I'm like, I'm sure this yeah. was part of Kana's plan the the whole time but like you know i'm sure that there are a million superhero movies where this happens where like yeah. some superhero or character ends up with we a cannot power use this power and like they have to use the power like even though it's been used for evil and blah 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 yeah and, you like, know that that superhero movie lord of the rings <laughs> everybody knows that superhero <laughs> movie lord of the rings <laughs> Oh yeah. So I don't know. Like I think that it's this. It's not enough for a real tea corner. So I will spare you all that. Why don't you enjoy a cup of calming jasmine tea? More tea, please. I hope I made it the way you like it. Mm, good. Did you really mean that, Uncle? Of course. But I will. I have been on a soapbox lately. I've been on it in book club. Uh, and just in media in general, but you know, when they go in the mountain, they break out the prisoners are like, what happened? They're like, oh, who's responsible? And they're like, it's a witch. 
Uh, and they're like, Hama! And I'm just like, okay. All right, we have to stop framing old creepy women and just, you know, just women in general and witches as bad. A, first, witch, not a gendered term. Uh, witch can re- refer to males, females, and bees, the whole spectrum. So You can also call them magicians. Correct. See, you know, so, you know, fuck you, Joanne. Um, yeah, it's the Hogwarts just school of magic. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, also, the, like, yeah, this, like, the whole idea of something that's unknown or, like, this woman who clearly holds a lot of power in this community she runs the inn like mm-hmm. when where do you start every fucking D campaign at the inn like yeah, every every player character that has ever spawned in this town has has met hama before and you know what like so and she's pro people are probably you know mysterious right like she probably has money she has this huge inn that like you know people like she showed up who knows at some point like i know i wish we got a little bit more of that in the episode honestly is seeing like how the townspeople are like i get we go out in the village and the market we might see a little bit i'm of that i'm with you but yeah the whole it's just i feel like the things that it, it is it's particular i think it's a particular sticking point that the things that draw suspicion the crimes that are committed that that make people go hey she's untrustworthy are often she's old and she lives alone in the woods yeah. those are like her crimes right like and like those aren't crimes or she's like you know she occupies a space that is outside the established like quote acceptable societal norms so like oh like oh she lives alone that is a much broader she doesn't have a husband she owns a business on her own she's independently like and financially like Mm -hmm. on her own like so and like all throughout history anytime you know like that a woman shows like some type of knowledge or you know goes against what like society like yeah they're just like witch and yeah try and imprison her burn her at the stake whatever and not just women right any group that is a quote deviation from what the norm was and so i will end this by saying yeah i just that's my only criticism of the episode is that whole trope about it and then her in the end being like ha 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 my evil plan worked this whole time so i think you know, they did a really good job with her backstory. They painted her as a very interesting and complicated villain. Yeah. yeah nuanced villain, very, for sure. Very cool backstory. So I am all on board for that. And, like, they did that more, much more of a service. Um, but, yeah, just the resorting to, oh, she's an old witch kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it might be inappropriate because, again, the, those people... They they don't know, and they label the unknown as witchcraft. It happens in our day and age, so, mm. yeah. This will be funny, because I'm, I'm definitely going to actually, after you say, this isn't enough, this isn't, there isn't enough here for a real tea corner, I'm just going to splice in the real tea corner drop. <laughs> and it'll just be an official real tea corner, because that was definitely long enough. <laughs> nice. Uh, Alright, so with that, with that being said, uh, with our final thoughts being aired, uh, let's gather around the uh role playing table i i have my my screen set up hey no cheating don't i see you rolling that extra die stop it <laughs> uh let's hand out some experience points yay uncle do you realize what this means i won't get to finish my game shouldn't there be a board or some pieces or something to jangle i won dungeons and dragons and it was advanced evil or maybe chaotic neutral the demogorgon <laughs> we're deep shit you've been shot by an arrow ow 
Well, there'd be penalties to her experience if she acted out of alignment. All right. So, um, I mean, I'll kick us off with uh, a nat 20 this episode. Uh, uh, Katara, when she makes that big fucking cool, like, Hama is directing this really big water attack at Katara. She's like throwing everything into it. And Katara deflects it beautifully in a way that's just so mesmerizing and so cool. And so that little bit of waterbending has got to be my, my, my nat 20 of the episode. Nice. I think my nat 20 would be when Katara bloodbends, honestly. She's acting a bit out of alignment, but it, yeah. it's a very boss move. Not just using, teaching herself how to bloodbend. Like, and because yeah. we know that because Kana makes a point, like, ha, you were, sh- Hama, I keep saying Kana. Hama makes the point of being like, ha, you should have let me teach you the secret before uh, you turned mm. against me. She doesn't eat your secrets, bitch. And then that was the that was the exact moment when Hama says that it was the exact moment Katara was like, "Fuck this bitch, I can do this." Yeah, yes, yes, we love it. I'm I'm actually going to give my nap twenty to Hama here because for the uh she gets a a plus if you know what despite all of like the side hustle stuff that we don't approve of. Uh, you know what? They ran some her in, like, seemed to be, like, a pretty nice joint, you know? It was really nice. Like I said earlier, I've been watching a lot of Hotel Hell with Zach recently um, as our recent reality trash fire show. And Can, can you imagine Gordon Ramsay walking in on his... What's, what's in here, then? Oh, a bunch of puppets. They play the musical Sting and they show the puppets. It's like, what's that there? And then, like, chaka, someone chaka, comes chaka, out. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And like someone comes out and he's like he's like hey uh, I'd like some room service like with the puppet like <laughs> I can picture it yeah no one's there uh yeah so I think Nahama you know she runs a a grade eight in gets uh five stars on Yelp from me and the fact that she was able she you know she went to the local market and she was knows enough about the her a her guests to know what they're going to want to eat and be working with the local uh food like economy to like and farm to table like really figuring out like oh like sea prunes we ain't got those <laughs> uh but you know whatever they use as a substitute will be just fine. And I'm like... So she rolled a nat 20 on her hospitality check. Absolutely, yeah. So I remember what I was going to say, and it's that uh, Katara rolling that nat 20 on bloodbending, you know for sure that that was a roll with disadvantage, and she must have rolled two 20s. Interesting. It was just so, like, she taught herself in that moment. Anyway, that was what I wanted to say. Sorry. no. Yeah, it was the probably one of the best roles of the whole season, if not the whole series. Anyway, uh, enjoyed my stay at Hama's Inn uh, up until I found the creepy puppet pocket. Uh, one star. Why did she have that come in the box in the attic? Like, so it was like a a distraction. But like, why why was it like that? I think the idea is. I mean, why is it so? hidden weirdly like do you have a room in your house with one single object in it it's like patrick's secret box it's just gonna want people to look for it more yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially when they can see through the keyhole yeah like, it's so stupid it's like uh, a just entrapment yeah it's 
that I, I'm with you there, Tina. I'm to, <laughs> this this is starting to be a little sus, but at first I thought you were asking, like, why was she hiding this object? Because I'm like, oh, she obviously doesn't want people to see her water tribe comb. It just like wasn't hidden. <laughs> it was like on. Yeah. It was like um. It was like in Beauty and the Beast, his like okay. rose thing up in his tower. It's like it's like why are you being this dramatic with it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Though. So. Real quick. Put it in a filing cabinet la- labeled taxes 1998. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Nobody's under- gonna open that. No one, ever. Alright, I understand. I get stressed out just thinking about it. Sorry, go ahead. I understand that this, why this is her most valuable possession, it, thematically, it's really nice. Uh, how does she hold on to this? She was put into prison and, and kidnapped. This, something tells me Fire Nation prison is not when, like, you show up, <laughs> They do the full pat down. They like take all your belongings and put it in a bag and put it in a locker somewhere. And then when it's your time to get out of the slammer, like they're like, all right, here's all your shit back. Like I like, so maybe she, I don't know. Like, and well, I, and I don't think like, I have two, I have two guesses for how she got it uh, out of the prison and neither are pleasant. Yeah. I mean, we know, we assume that she killed a bunch of people to get out. So. I don't know, maybe they were greedy and, like, they didn't, they didn't get rid of those valuables. They were. But she said it was after years. Like, she was in prison for, I think, decades, she said. In my experience with D&D, if all of the, if a party wakes up and all their weapons and armor are gone, they're inevitably in a crate of some kind very close by in the treasure chest you have as soon to go- as they get out as soon as they get out of the prison right next to the prison is where their their stuff is you have to go back to your last uh respawn point mm-hmm. and uh find yeah. where your body died and recover your this like no man's sky or elden ring yo that would be a cool mechanic in oh a dnd campaign you have to like wake up in the underworld and you have to like find your way back to your body anyway uh, my crit, yeah, my crit fail is probably, it's gonna be, I'm struggling here. I feel like it's gonna be Katara for being too trusting and not listening to Sokka's concerns enough. I think there were, there were times where Katara, as soon as she heard that, like, she was a Southern Water Tribe and, like, another waterbender from that tribe, like, felt this amazing kinship to someone and so quickly that like she kind of i think cast aside her brother's very legitimate would also like probably like if she reminds you of your grandmother it would scan to mention that like she probably knew kata like Mm -hmm. you know at some point there has to be some crossover there unless like she was kidnapped before she was born that seems a little sus to me you know Hmm. it's just like we've we've gone through this journey right we've seen what it's like to be like oh all fire nation people are bad too like oh look the fire nation hurts its own people too like this is a more multi-layered issue than we're than we're letting on here but it's anyway i don't know where i was going with that but uh, it's a great point though i give it to katara because i think that she often looks for friendship when uh neutrality should be her expectation Mm. 
I get it. And so I only give it to her because I struggle to kind of give it to anyone this episode. I'm going to give my nat one to Hama because there's this scene where Katara gets her and she like flops onto the ground and she's like, oh, and it reminds me of when Saruman is spinning Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and it's like such a, it, but it, it was, it was like a nat one on like a, some kind of saving throw and she just like wipes out. <laughs> good. Very good. Yeah, that was a good one. I am going to give mine to... Mm-hmm. With confidence. With super confidence. You know what? I'm going to give my nat one to Sokka, because Sokka was sleeping, like, when he before he was, like, woken up in the middle of the night. First of all, he was sleeping with Momo, which I think what thought was cute. <laughs> I, I was wondering why Momo was sleeping with him instead of Aang. There's, like, no one else in this room, but, like, yeah, Sokka completely, like, he's sleeping in not a lot of clothing, and I'm sorry, I don't care, like, how clean hotel sheets are, I am not sleeping in sheets that are in, with, like, out my full, like, set of clothing. <laughs> oh my god, this is such a deep, this is such a deep cut. I, Sokka gets a one for his stay in the hotel because he, uh, checks notes Wore less to bed. <laughs> he was too trust. You said Katara was too trusting of Hama. I'm also I'm taking that, but in a different direction. Now Katara is going to come in with like a spell where she like makes the water glow like the um like the the black light, and like we see all the stains all over the bed. It's like oh no, oh my god, yikes! But also I I'm I'm going to split the difference and also give a that one to Ang like for the steamed prunes, and it's just like. I was, that was gonna be, I was gonna I was actually like, say that I want to change my answer. Like, okay, you're the avatar, like, you of all people, like, you need to be socially accepting, and you gotta try everything once. Yeah. Gotta try don't it color, once. Don't color Toph's preconceived notions about whether or not this is gonna be good because you thought it was weird and didn't like it. Yeah. I was just also, gonna be eat like- eat your vegetables, damn it. Yeah, that was what I was gonna change mine to. Uh, because, yeah, that was, I just remember that. He's like... I'd steer clear of the sea prunes. I'm actually very concerned about... You know why? You know why, Aang? He's actually just looking out for Toph, because Aang shat his pants, and he knows that if he has those steamed sea prunes, that it is just gonna go right through him. That is way yeah, too much like, fiber. Uh, and so, yeah, he's just, um... He's just, like, if I go to the spirit world again after this, I'm gonna be finished. Yeah. So, uh... He's just trying to do Toph a favor. Uh, Christina, oh my god, thank you so much for being here. We love having you. Where can people find you? Well, thank you so much for having me, because it's always a pleasure. It's so much fun. I love Avatar so much. And every time I watch even just one single episode, I'm like, this is so much of a better story than Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. That leads me to my plug. Please check out my podcast, The Restricted Section, which is a Woo! Harry Potter podcast. <laughs> a Harry Potter slander, <laughs> Harry Potter slander podcast. Um, a tra a pro-trans rights. Yeah, very important distinction. We're on like summer hiatus, but we're releasing some fun bonus episodes, including my immortal episode that Zach was on. And um, the last episode that came out was... Uh, Harry Potter for Beginners, which is my three best friends who uh, have never really fucked with Harry Potter before explaining the plot of Harry Potter to me, and it's an absolute <laughs> shit show. That's so funny. Yeah. So, but the, the my my plug here will be during this recording, halfway through this recording, my house lost power. The my immortal my house one. lost power in my immortal 
How how did we resolve it? Well, you'll you'll just have to go listen and find out. No, no, that was great. What a cliffhanger! Yeah, I know. Oh, such a good. You know what? That is the sign of a good story, leaving That's people right. to wonder what mm. if. Uh, instead of putting in so two, not it may if not three post credits scenes setting up for the three new spinoff films that no one is going to care about. <laughs> talking yeah, about yeah. you, Marvel. Um, my plug is going to be, you know what, we mentioned earlier that we love podcasting, we love having guests on the show, that's why Tina, we're so, like, happy here, like, we met at, uh, my, our best friend's wedding, because literally of a podcast, Zach and I are together because of podcasts, and now, uh, my best friend, uh, and their partner have started a podcast, uh, so please check out Tales from the Keeper, which mm. is a new Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast where four longtime friends they play themselves. Uh, they are trapped in the Forgotten Realms and they have to find their way back home. So join in on their hilarious uh, and calamitous things as they ensue. Wait, they're they're playing themselves? You said yes, yes. That's I've always wanted to run a <laughs> dumb trolley campaign where everyone rolls up their own like themselves as their D- as DD character. <laughs> they get blasted back to the Forgotten Realms, like as your Joe Schmoes as themselves. They are hilarious. Calamitous ensues every Tuesday with where you can catch episodes anywhere where podcasts are released, and you can find them um, on Instagram or on their link tree at crit underscore or tales from the crit underscore keeper. And I we will drop their info in the show notes. Yeah, and here's an official endorsement from our friend Sam says absolutely amazing. No notes, similar kind of comedy that Cabbages has. You know what? Yeah, and I have to say this. Please don't judge us now, all our fans, because uh, Dalton, who is the uh, dungeon master, your audio quality is stupid good. Like, if you have this type of audio quality on your trailer, like, you know, I wish you nothing but I the best, and I'm really excited. So everyone go check it out, um, and you will not be disappointed. They just started, um, and they're about to drop episode four, so, yeah. Hell yeah. And babe, uh, who are you going to plug? Maybe, uh, we, speaking of podcasts, maybe we should tell people where they can find us on the interwebs. <laughs> well, uh, hey, well, I'm going to plug our stuff because I, I'm not cool enough to plug something, I guess. It's fine. Just plug whatever you want and then you can share our socials. <laughs> um, I'll plug. Sound it uh, out. I don't, I love Death and Robots. I don't, probably already plugged Love Death yeah, and Robots. Yeah, the it's- new season is so fun. It's a really, really cool show that does like really neat little one-off stories, and all of them are incredibly gorgeously animated. Like it is film quality animation in a variety of styles for however long all the run times are. Some of them are quite long. Uh, really great, fun thing if you're into that sort of thing. If you're into sci-fi, if you like animation, then you really like it. Anyway, plugs are plugs are over. Yay! We don't normally we don't normally do plugs. The plugs are here because you're here. Uh, oh, Tina, <laughs> I'm honored. here to plug it up. Yes, <laughs> plug it in, plug it in. Uh, you can find us at uh, CabbageCast on Twitter and at MyCabbageCast on Instagram. We uh, bungled the name. Uh, someone else owns it. Probably me. I think, yeah, I think it's email. you. On an email that no longer exists, so I can't access it. <laughs> See, my my theory is that... Here, let me put on my tinfoil hat and I'll play the, the X-Files theme. I feel like the... Uh, <laughs> 
Instagram, I got the Instagram account and I didn't post on it at all. And then it timed out at some point mm, it and does d- d- got deleted, mm. which happens all the time. They purge the server of it, but they don't purge the log that says that that name was already taken. So even though it's no longer exists and I can't change it because it no longer exists, uh, it's still listed as a taken username. I feel like I did. I feel like the same thing is happening with my my literal name, Christina at Christina Khan, because I can't get it. And I'm like, there's no one else out there. This is me. Yeah. Who has this? <laughs> uh, and if you if you want to email us, uh, we'll <clears throat> we'll love we love your emails. We'll read it on the podcast. Uh, MyCabbageCast at gmail.com. And you should also uh, we if you can't. We have an awesome Patreon that you should totally go check out for a dollar a month. You hit in on our awesome Discord, which is uh, the definition a fun of, hang. of fun chaotic hang. good energy. Mm, uh, fun, fun hang. Chaotic good is a great way to describe mm-hmm, yeah. our Discord. Five dollars bonus episodes, no pot embossing say, where we go through pieces of media we wish we didn't exist. And, you know, everything from above there just gets even better. So get in on the action. We're thankful to all of our patrons. Uh, we love each one of you dearly. And if you, you know, we understand everyone's not in a place to contribute financially, but you can still support us in other ways by going and giving us a review on wherever you find podcasts. And we will take that opportunity to read the most recent thank you to, uh, again, our new patron, um, Takana and uh, their also review on Apple Podcasts, which <laughs> five stars. Ang pooped his pants, which was originally Ang shat his pants, but because <laughs> you can't say, uh, you know, uh, oopsies and uh, you can't put <laughs> sentence enhancers into your Apple Podcast reviews, it was subsequently changed to Ang pooped his pants. Nonetheless, wonderful. Cannot describe the energy of our podcast more in such a succinct <laughs> word. So thank you uh, for everyone for the support. Um, and we're, we're grateful for, for all of you. And we're especially thankful for you, Tina. Thank you for coming on the show. This has been lovely. Yeah, we thank you. you. We love everyone. I love you guys. We love you very much. And um, my brother, Jay Curtis, does the music. Check him out on Instagram. On, he's on Linktree. He's, he's on Spotify. Jake um, underscore Ertis, E-R-T-S. No, Jay, it's Jay Curtis. I, oh, well, he also, oh, I'm looking it? at his Instagram right now where he okay. has all of his shit. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Well, we'll, we'll link it. <laughs> he does the music. Anyway, I'm Zach. I'm Alex. Oh, and I'm Christina. And this has been my cabbages. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Peace and love. Bye. Goodbye.
one was haunted! Ah! That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.